Hi there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at intersportrent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So if you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire within support and to use the code Ski Podcast or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 98 of the Ski Podcast and thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be finding out what it's like to jump out of a helicopter hovering above the Eiger and about a new event in Val Torrens that will be raising funds to help turn some young lives around. Uh, firstly, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for supporting the Ski Podcast. Uh, I noticed that um, they recently uh, broke a record in Switzerland. It was the longest women-only rope team in the world. There were 80 women from 25 countries who climbed the Breithorn, which is uh, uh, just above Verzum, at 4,164 metres on the 17th of uh, June. Obviously, the reason they're doing that is part of the women's initiative to give women a greater prominence in, in mountain sports. And that actually fits in quite well with uh, the feature that we did about gender representation in episode 97 when we had Rachel uh, Oaksash uh, from Snow's Best on. Really interesting uh, to see that. I did actually get one bit of feedback on Twitter where someone said, why does everything have to be politicised? Can't skiing be a pleasurable pursuit without ramming gender politics? And the theory climate change is man-made down at everyone's throat. So I think probably we've heard enough there to uh, ignore that one. Right. My name's Ian Martin. I'd like to introduce my guest today. I'd like to welcome a regular guest, Emily Sarsfield-Power. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Nice to be back. Got to say, uh, congratulations. I believe it is the anniversary of you becoming Sarsfield-Power. Yeah, the hyphenation arrived a year ago. <laughs> Excellent. Well, congratulations uh, on that. Also joining us uh, today, we have first timers uh, Dan Keeley from Snow Camp. Hi, Dan. Yeah, great to be here, Ian. Yeah, long term fan of the show. And yeah, it's felt like a long time coming, actually, hasn't it? Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on the show at last. And also first timer Felix Milnes. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Ian. Uh, great. Very pl uh, pleasure to be here and join you on the show. Excellent. Well, let's start by asking my guests uh, when or, or where you uh, skied or snowboarded last. Emily, do you want to start us off? Um, normally, I would kind of be saying probably last week or something. But actually, this year, my season ended a little bit early in March because I managed to get silly injuries, which now I've retired, I seem to get more injuries than I ever did when I was actually a professional skier. So unfortunately, I didn't get those last kind of like drips of the snow in April. But um, um, where were you in March? Um, I was over in Saint-Foy, um, the little hidden gem between, uh, yeah, just down from Tien and Val d'Azur. Yeah, and I uh, did my first little bit of heli skiing over in Italy as well. So it was a pretty good trip. Okay, that, that's where you get a pickup in France and then they take you over to the border because that Saint-Foy is very close to like La Rosière, which borders over to La Tuile. So do you ski down on that side? Yeah, so pick up in Italy because obviously we can't pick up in France. And then, yeah, exactly. But exactly that. So we kind of went to La Rosière, skied over the back and then got picked up. Right. OK. And I hate to ask you about injuries, but given that you've skied, you know, World uh, Cup and Olympics in ski across, it, you know, that must be gutting to be getting injured now. I know. I think I'm picking up these old ailments from my dad. I'm blaming it on him. So, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit annoying, but 
yeah, fully recovered now. Thank goodness. I just missed the back end of the ski season. Excellent. Okay, Dan, what about yourself? When were you last on snow? Yeah, it's actually relating to what we're diving into today, but it was back in February with the Crown Montana Marathon, which ran in parallel with the City Ski Championships. And Emily was out there as well. And yeah, it was just a pretty intense couple of days out there. Obviously, was, all systems go on the event side of things. But yeah, it was just an amazing um you know just amazing valley amazing resort great energy and it was actually um i think it was five days after the restrictions lifted and so that sense of togetherness um out there you know for the for the events you know for the two events running in parallel but just that sense of everybody you know having that green light to be back out in the mountains five days after the restrictions lifted was was game changing so yeah really great energy and yeah wish i could have done a a bit more this year but um yeah crown montana out in february okay was, and and even though you were working on the event you still had enough time to enjoy the ski area yeah yeah just about just about <laughs> yeah <laughs> excellent felix what about yourself where were you was it when you're out in uh, the jungfrau area no i was uh no, i took the uh family out to colorado um and we did uh, sort of a double header we went to beaver creek and then on to vale uh which i'd not been to for about 20 years so it was quite okay. nice to go and to go and check out the back bowls again there okay and i mean how did you find these uh, two resorts Vale's obviously one of the most famous ski resorts uh, in the world uh so i mean it was this i i love the i absolutely love the skiing there there's some fantastic fantastic mountains the and I think I'd sort of forgotten that a little bit from my from my last trip. I've done quite a lot of skiing in the in the states, um, and kind of my sort of all time faves are places like Aspen and Jackson Hole. Um, but actually, you know, the skiing the skiing that they have there, the mountains they have there, and the way they use the mountains, the way they sort of glade the trees, and it was particularly great to take the kids over there for the first time because what they what they do a lot there is they have a lot of these sort of adventure parks where kids can kind of ski through and ski under little wigwams and round through the glades and actually what they kind of explained to me there is you know they design them to get kids used to skiing tighter lines to skiing trees so it's actually a really fun way to introduce them to to sort of more off-piste and free ride terrain Excellent. That sounds great. And you mentioned Jackson Hole there, which is uh, uh, interesting for a couple of reasons. Firstly, um, regular listeners will recall that I interviewed uh, Arnie Wilson a while ago. Now, Arnie, Arnie Wilson, very respected uh, journalist within the industry, he has skied in over, if, if I recall correctly, I'm trying to look it up now, 740 resorts. But his favourite resort out of all of those is Jackson Hole. Yeah, he got married there as well, um, and uh, I think it's 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 such a magical resort. It's it is a place like no other. You have the sort of the town of Jackson, which is this kind of old, very much sort of mountain culture town, and then this you know this beast of a mountain uh, above it. I haven't skied there, but um, as it goes, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be driving through Jackson on my way from Salt Lake City to Yellowstone. So I'm hoping, even though I'm not going to get the skiing side of things, to just sample a little bit of the atmosphere there and have a look, you know, as it's been uh, you know mentioned so many times before. Uh, right, let's move on to a couple of uh, items of uh, news. 97, episode 97, was a Down Under special. We focus in real detail on Australia and New Zealand. Now, I have noticed that the uh, cases of Omicron are rising in New Zealand, but everything is still open. 
Paul Anderson, the uh, MD of NZSki.com, uh, you know, had previously in, in 2021 had to deal with everything closing again, but it's still open. The snow is really good. And I'm delighted to say that we've got a snow report here from uh, Jasmine Taylor, regular uh, friend of the show. He's currently based out in uh, Hotham in Australia. She's uh, obviously a Team GB telemarker, but she's working out there this summer, uh, coaching, instructing and doing a bit of free skiing as well. So let's have a listen to her report. Hi Ian, um, so yeah, just waking up to another sunny day in Hotham. It's been like this for I think four or five days now, which has just been amazing. And the snow is brilliant. We had about 30 centimetres yeah, at the start of the week and um, bluebird ever since. So it's just been absolutely ideal and just yeah, perfect skiing conditions here in Australia. So yeah, I hope everybody's enjoying their summer and it's not too hot um it's certainly not that hot here um but yeah looking forward to catching up again soon and yeah speak to you all again um i wondered if any of our guests here today have ever skied in uh, new zealand or australia no it's definitely on the bucket list but you know even listening about um you know jackson hole you know our youngest has just turned three years old so you know we're, we're already yeah starting to design you know what his first um experiences are going to be on skis so yeah felix you've definitely lit the candle with um getting max over to jackson hole but new zealand's on the bucket list also for the trail running side of things ian as well uh, right but, yeah, of course yeah you know we need to get over there at some point but um no. uh, emily emily i assume that at some point you must have raced in australia or new zealand you would have thought so because that is the place where everyone kind of goes to train in that kind of in that summer period but unfortunately my parents couldn't really afford to send me over there for the whole of the summer so i just had to kind of stay in europe and kind of make it work on the the glaciers here in teen and south bay and stuff so unfortunately i never did get there i did go to um chile and argentina before kind of the last Olympics for summer training. But yeah, never got to Australia and New Zealand yet, yet. <laughs> right. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, glaciers in Europe because um, I think possibly uh, Jasmine has made a great decision going down there. I don't think anyone is unaware that uh, Europe, Britain has uh, been going through a heat wave, a uh, significant heat wave uh, at the moment. And currently, there are only four uh, areas, uh, actually three areas in the EU. I did read this morning a report somewhere else saying there are four areas in, in Europe that are open for skiing at the moment. They are Zermatt, Hintertux and Passo Stelvio. Sasfe is open, but uh, not to the public, only for people uh, to do uh, race training. So I guess that would apply for athletes. But that is the lowest number of uh, areas uh, ever. I think I mentioned it was in the last episode. Team closed early, Ladies Alp has closed early. And in Ladies Alp, they uh, had, I think they had five nights in a row where the temperature on the glacier remained above zero so when you get that normally on a glacier you get that freeze thaw freeze thaw uh, the whole time but it never froze again overnight and just the snow deteriorated so badly they decided that they didn't want to offer that kind of product for people to be able to ski on stuff on snow that was slush already first thing so they just closed uh, early so um, I think we're probably all aware of that and we can tackle those issues in another uh, podcast. Um, but Felix, I'd like to move on to, to you now. How can we not start with you? I saw this amazing article in The Telegraph uh, last winter 
And, you know, I'm going to, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but the headline is free falling at 130 miles per hour in the shadow of the Eiger was terrifying. <laughs> and, you know, how could you not read that? That's like clickbait of the, uh, of the highest uh, order. You know, I've tried like ski touring and heli skiing, zip wires around the place, but this really uh, stood out. It sounds like something out of a James Bond movie. So, I mean, let's start with the obvious question. You know, why would you do this? <laughs> Well, I think the obvious question is, why wouldn't you do it here? I mean, <laughs> surely for any 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 of us sort of adrenaline junkies, the 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 opportunity to jump out of a helicopter above the Eiger, it was just too good an opportunity to miss, and I, I couldn't believe I hadn't done it before, and that um, uh, that that was available. So as soon as as soon as I had heard about it, I was like, wow, I've you know I'd never done a um, a skydive before. It's always something I wanted to do, and 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 to do it there, it probably uh, the guy that um, my tandem pilot that I that I jump with, he's done over fifteen thousand jumps worldwide. A South African chap called Michael, uh, and yeah, for him this was the most scenic spot possible to do a skydive. So uh, it was a it was a great way to sort of break that duck. Excellent. So you found out about it. I mean, what, what are the logistics? How, how did the process work? Where were you staying in the Jungfrau area? So we were staying in Grindelwald. Um, and you actually, you, you, you kind of go down into Interlaken. So you just get the train down to Interlaken. And that's where the sort of the um, uh, HQ is for the helicopter base. Um, uh, so you could be staying in Grindelwald, Wengen, Murren. Uh, you could be staying in, in any of those areas, really, or in or in Interlaken itself. Uh, and it's a real, it's, it's probably no coincidence that it's there, because I, I don't know how well you know that area, but it's a real kind of mecca for um, adventure sports. You know, they do a lot of um, base jumping from that area. Um, and so I guess, you know, it's kind of natural that it's there. Yeah, we have that a very famous footage. You might try and dig it out. I think it was uh, Shane Shane McConkey who first skied off. Was it? Did he ski off the Eiger and then base jump from that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll che- I'll check my yeah. facts, find that video, yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, and share it. But yeah, uh, and so you, you start from Interlaken, and then you're up in a in a helicopter. Yeah, and a, and a lot of a lot of skydives take place from a plane, so it's it's fairly unusual to do it from a helicopter, um, and I think that makes it extra special here, really. So you yeah, you take you, you you start in the heli, and then it's a really beautiful ride up the valley, and you kind of go up through this gorge, and then uh, you just suddenly kind of go up this cliff face and over onto the Manlikan slopes, which are beautiful slopes just kind of working their way over to the Eiger and um, kind of Scheideregg area, if you know if you know that spot. So you kind of summit over these and then you kind of skim quite low over the ski the ski slopes. You get this wonderful view out of the, um, you know, it's all glass, the helicopter. So you get a wonderful view of the, of the slopes below and uh, everyone having their ski day. And then as you kind of rise uh, further up towards the Eiger, um, you know, you're, it's it's right there in your face, and you kind of you realise you're getting higher and higher because the you know the, the uh, ice is forming on the outside of the helicopter windows, and kind of and just as you as you kind of get up to the Eiger, uh, you as we were coming up there, we could see 
the, the sort of wisps of snow and wind uh, sort of circling around the top of the Eiger. And then as the heli gets there, you know, you're, you're buffeting around and, you know, there, there the nerves are really starting to jangle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. Uh, so what sort of altitude did you take off from? Well, the Eiger's four thousand three hundred, roughly, and you basically jump um, in in line with that. So, you kind of do a quick circuit around the top of the Eiger, and then move say, a safe enough distance away, and then uh, and then it's time to sort of say, yeah, would you like to sort of jump out and st- stand on the rail? And and that was an amazing <laughs> feeling to to literally be standing on this kind of skinny rail of the of the helicopter and just looking down um it was it was an incredible incredible feeling and and how were the nerves at that point well i i think by by then my adrenaline had kicked in and it was just kind of uh, i couldn't stop talking i was just kind of <laughs> oh my god i can't believe i'm going to do this and um uh, and it was yeah it was it, it was it was intense i think it'd be um, interesting you do you don't wear one of those watches where it records your heart rate do you did you uh, get to see that at all <laughs> Well, funnily enough, I didn't. Uh, I I could probably go back and and check uh, and check. So I do wear an Apple Watch, so maybe uh, I can go back and have a look and see what uh, my um, my my readings were for that time. But uh, I I was I was very lucky to be able to jump. What they they do um, the the person your your tandem jumper has a um, a camera mounted on his wrist, so he films you from there as well. And because I was doing the piece for the Telegraph, we had a, a another jumper jump as well who had a camera mounted on his helmet. So that was that, that was great to be able to sort of get the two views. And there's a great video on Twitter uh, about it, so you can sort of see the perspective from the from the arm view, and then also the guy below, just below. Yeah. Us. Well, I will I will um, put that in the show notes. So so Michael says to you, right, three, two, one, and then that's it. You're you're off. Yeah, and so he kind of yeah he sort of explains you get a, a sort of a proper briefing on the ground before you go up, of course. And the you know the important thing is you kind of just you, you actually arc your body backwards and put your sort of neck on uh, you, you put your head your head back onto his onto his shoulder, and then yeah, and then you you jump for a radio show. You'll know the phrase dead air. Um, so he uses he uses the phrase dead air for when you start the free fall because you're not getting that resistance for the first couple of seconds and then okay. so this sort of it's quite a sort of eerie feeling to begin with and then poof, you, you suddenly feel it and then just very quite naturally so you start with your arms crossed over your shoulders and then quite naturally as you kind of come out of that dead air thing you just kind of open up into that sort of classic free fall position that you can all visualize I'm sure and then yeah and then that's it and then your cheeks are going <laughs> <laughs> so just... 130 miles an hour within about three seconds yeah do you have enough time to kind of you know hum the uh, the mission impossible tune uh, through your mind <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> you're still screaming at that point i think cool and what about you so how long does that free falling part take so you free fall for about 45 seconds uh, so you, you you do that initial jump, and then as you come out the the dead air, he, um, your your pilot lets up the, a tiny little parachute, which they call a dro a droog, um, and that just that actually just keeps your speed down to 130 miles an hour. Otherwise, you'd be going faster. And then you free fall for about 45 seconds, and you're kind of 
spinning slowly around so the Iger's kind of coming in and out of view in and out of view in and out of view and then you're just looking down there's Grindelwald and there's the kind of ski area just behind the town I was I'd skied in the day before so it was kind of and sort of spotting it and then uh, it, it it does actually feel like a long time you'd think it might go really quickly but you you, you kind of it, it feel it's one of those that feels like an hour but then afterwards it feels like it's gone by in a split second type of thing yeah um and then he'll sort of tap on your thing and, and you wear goggles at this point as well because you're going so quick and where where did you land then so after after that point he he'll put he'll pull the ripcord and then you go into what if, if you've ever done a paraglide uh you're it's more it's like a high speed paraglide because obviously they keep the they keep the parachute as small and light as possible so um then you just start kind of circling around and it's quite nice because he'll give you he'll give you control and you can have a steer and and spin around and then we actually landed on the um uh Langlauf track in Grindelwald Excellent. and you you can you, you you know he's sort of very important to keep your feet up so you basically just go in you know butt first and slide slide along the landline <laughs> slide along the landline track at high speed and any any surprise uh, you know cross country skiers you know as you landed <laughs> yeah there was certainly a couple they've probably seen it all before but uh, yeah there was a couple coming just just, just uh, unfortunately we'd avoided them right and and crucially one other question did you have a union jack parachute uh, well, I didn't have the choice of that, I'm afraid. I had to use it. Had to use it. Didn't take my own. Um, so, I mean, it really sounds uh, amazing. I mean, would you would you do it again? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks so much uh, for for sharing uh, that with us. So, I'm I'm actually interested. You're in Grindelwald this time last year, roughly. I was out in Grindelwald uh, as well. I did a uh, trail race uh, over there. Um, did you Did you enjoy your holiday there? Were you there with your family? Or was it just yourself? So my my wife came out to join me um, for uh, a couple of days. I'd gone I'd gone out a little bit earlier just because I I, I wanted to give myself a you know a weather window for that. But I absolutely love the resort. Actually, I think it's one of the most scenic places to ski, kind of anywhere in Europe. Um, probably that and the Dolomites. I think skiing in the you know the Jungfrau region, the Jungfrau, the Monk and the Eiger, it's just it's just so elemental there, isn't it? And just everywhere you look is just incredible, insane views. I uh been lucky enough to go there in summer and in winter um over in Murren and skied over to Wengen and Grindelwald as well and uh yeah certainly it's on my list of places to go to uh again well that's brilliant uh, Felix thanks yeah, so much um, for uh, sharing that uh, with us and uh, uh, congratulations on on having the uh, the the courage to do it and uh, yeah. you know if you do do it again come back and you can tell us about it again Emily, I'd like to move to uh, uh, you uh, now, if we uh, could. The reason I wanted to have you on is that there's a new uh, event that I read about coming up, uh, which Dan referred to uh, earlier, the HABL Three Valley Rally. I wondered if you could tell us uh, a little bit about what it is, where it is, uh, and what's going on. So this is the ultimate one. So basically, um, the, the whole event is actually organised by Snow Camp, of which I've been an ambassador for for many years, um, along with kind of a pretty much the Ski Sunday lineup. So you've got kind of Shemi and Graham and uh, Jenny and Ed, and we'll all be there. But basically, it's a 20th anniversary for the charity. Um, so they've kind of pulled out all the stops with AJ Bell and they've kind of gone for because they've produced some pretty good events in the past. So the Cool Blank, which is actually 
it was intense. It was a lot of skiing. So you kind of hit every single ski lift in the whole of Maribel. And it takes a good, from the bottom of Breed Laban, it can take you about eight hours to do. So there's that. In, with the kind of the Crans Montana Marathon and all of the big kind of events they've done in the past, they've kind of created the ultimate package, which is going to be the Free Valley Rally. So activities, pick the best hotel up there, the Five Star Fitzroy. They've got the Holly Doosan involved. They've got Michelin Star Restaurant. So from party to activity to accommodation and to gastronomy, it's covered. Um, so that's going to happen out in April. Okay, so it's it's April in Valterens. You mentioned, you know, five-star hotels and gastronomy and things like that. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be an event for uh, for everyone. Do you, do you know how much it costs at all then? I'm going to leave the detail of that to Dan. However, basically the majority of the costs, um, they've, they've done really well and got this sponsored event. So the majority of the costs will actually be going kind of like, pretty much direct to the charity you know through the uh, actual event the three valley rally there's several different competitive aspects to that that are going on aren't there could you tell us a bit more about that yeah of course so, i wouldn't you know i love i love a bit of competition um so we will be on the teams so you will get kind of a a celeb or a skier or a snowboard on on your team as well majority if you, if you want us and uh yeah we'll be doing biathlon We'll be doing a, a, a slalom. Um, there's a, a distance challenge, an orienteering challenge, and there's also a zip wire challenge. So, Felix, <laughs> you might want to get involved with that one. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they've, they, as I said, they've kind of brought all of the kind of experience they've had in the past together, and they're going to be doing like the ultimate event. There's actually a couple of zip wires in uh, in VT, but I love that zip wire, the the new multi stage one that goes down and finishes in the centre of town itself. It's actually brilliant flying over the uh, slopes. There's another zip wire higher up between uh, the two, uh, the highest point in RL and uh, VT, which has a very big drop beneath it. But cool, that sounds that sounds really good. And so, and you mentioned uh, Graham Bell, Chemi Alcott, Jenny Jones, and Ed Lee are all going to uh, be there as well. So, um, if you fancy mixing with some ski celebs, then that could be it. But Dan, then I'm going to move on to you. The, the whole point of this event is great yeah let's have a lot of fun but essentially it is a fundraiser for snow camp isn't it i wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about snow camp and and what your role is there yeah definitely well obviously thanks to em you know she's been involved for so many years now as one of our most passionate you know committed ambassadors so yes it's going to be amazing em obviously having you out there um you know to celebrate and style next year but yeah 20 years now 20 years of turning young lives around with the power of snow sports so yeah, it's been some journey. You know, 20 years ago, Dan Charles took 13 young people out to let us out. These are, you know, hard to reach inner city young people who would otherwise never have the opportunity to access skiing and snowboarding in the UK, let alone going out to the mountains. So obviously that first experience for them was game changing. Uh, but obviously 20 years ago, we knew if we were to establish a UK charity, then at least 90% of our work had to be UK based. So as Emily alluded to, yeah, we take young people away from the inner city environment, typically to indoor slopes across the UK, take them on a three stage journey over the course of 12 months, which culminates with this life changing week in the mountains. So this is all about, you know, developing life skills, broadening horizons, raising aspirations, setting these young people up to go on to positive opportunities, whether that's in the snow sports industry or higher education or employment. But obviously, if we can bridge the gap, you know, between what we do and those very hard to reach young people and the opportunities that exist in the snow sports industry as well, then 
obviously, yeah, we can be pretty proud of that as a team. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite a fast paced couple of years. You know, it's twenty years now of, of you know harnessing the power of snow sports to to change lives. But you know, as, as Emily will know, with the sort of engagement that we've done with the young people over the past couple of years through the pandemic, you know, we also developed a standalone mental health service to support young people with that holistic package, which completely flourished. So this is free online uh, face to face counselling uh, for the, all the young people we were supporting, and it became so successful that we had to offset it as its own standalone program alongside snow camp which is why now we are re-registered as switch 180 as a national youth charity same mission same passion same team uh but we just wanted to make sure that the, the mental health service in, in its own right could stand alone so you know it just gives us the crystal clear clarity between the snow sports side and uh and the uh, mental health side as well but yeah bring on bring on our 20th year yeah, well, I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, you followed uh, Snow Camp uh, since the beginning. It happened to be based in Brighton, where uh, I am uh, as well. And I know uh, Dan, who uh, founded it, uh, and he's done an incredible job uh, over the years. And I think it's really interesting. You know, you mentioned that it started off by taking people out uh, to the Alps who would never normally get the opportunity. But it's become much, much broader than that in terms of involvement. It's more about that switch 180. <laughs> There's a clue in the name. It's about <laughs> turning people's lives around and giving them the opportunity uh, uh, just to see that there can be other directions and maybe taking them away from a certain direction they might have been heading in. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, I think what's what's always been the case with Snow Camp, which has been interesting, is what people perceive us as because you know some people might perceive us as the next instructor training academy for inner city kids it's not quite the case you know others might see us as the diversity and inclusion charity within snow sports just by the nature of the top you know the young people that we support across the uk but we've never put that out there as our as our north star you know but there are yeah some wonderful um sort of consequences of the work that we do but as we say you know these these are many well it's almost a thousand young people that we work with year on year but they do get you know they fall through the gaps you know these young people that have dropped out of education maybe they're caught up in gang crime or knife culture or you know just that inner city urban jungle where they're just they're not exposed to you know the, this wonderful lifestyle in this industry and this this environment that we all know and love you know so obviously if we can you know bridge the gap and you know i think broadening horizons for me that's the biggest compliment that we can pay to the young people is to open their eyes you know to conversations like this and you know what emily's done with you know with her career and you know felix's story and you know what you do and you know there are so many accessible opportunities for these young people but you know I always go back to that phrase people like us do things like this and if we can you know show more demographics that actually this lifestyle is available to you and we've got obviously after 19 years of doing what we do we've got so many amazing role models who have gone through the snow camp journey and now coming back as you know truly uh, inspirational young people to inspire the next generation that is brilliant Dan what I will do is I'll uh, put links to the AJ Bell three Valley rally into the show notes and in and for snow camp uh, as well and just to reiterate something that Emily said there you know AJ Bell is a sponsor of the event and what that means is that uh, you know if you decide that you want to join in and get a, a team there the largest uh, amount of your participation fee will go towards Snow Camp and Switch 180. So thanks very much for that, Dan. That's great. Right, we're going to move towards the close of the show now. I enjoy all feedback. Please do get in contact. You can review us, uh, comment wherever you feel like it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, social media. You can email me, theskipodcast at gmail.com. Uh, a comment that came in recently was from um, Bob in CH. 
who said, I enjoyed episode 96, uh, Neil English's stories about Villar. Uh, slightly depressing uh, to hear about the Mayor de Glass situation, but a reminder to go back and enjoy it while we can. Uh, and you can follow me at Skipedia and the podcast at The Ski Podcast. But for now, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Dan? Yeah, thanks, Ian. It's been a pleasure. And Felix? Thanks, Ian. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Excellent. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. And finally, a special message from the Hotham Under-14 Alpine Girls Racing Team, currently being coached by Jasmine Taylor. G'day, Ski Podcast listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, then remember to book your ski hire with Intersport and use the code SKIPODCAST or simply take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Thanks again and have a great winter.